Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Instructional Design Career Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping new and aspiring instructional designers get the knowledge, skills, and confidence to stand out in the field and land their first corporate instructional design job. I'm your host, Jill Davidian, and think of this podcast as a way to put my over 20 years of corporate ID experience in your back pocket. I've helped over 500 new instructional designers successfully transition into the field, and I know what hiring managers are looking for. Whether you're looking for a career change and exploring if instructional design is right for you, or you know you want to become an ID and have no idea how to get started, you are in the right place. Join me each week for actionable guidance as we explore how to build your portfolio, transform your resume, and interview with confidence. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. So I get asked a lot about what IDs actually do on a day-to-day basis. And that is going to be the focus of today's episode. We will focus on what a corporate instructional designer does, as it is very different from what a higher ed instructional designer does or someone who works in ed tech. If you're unclear of the difference between those three, I have a whole episode on that topic. I'm going to talk about both full-time instructional designers with regular jobs, as well as contract instructional designers that are working on one specific project. For the most part, it's going to be the same, but there are a couple nuances. Many times IDs are working on multiple projects at one time with multiple deadlines. And this is especially true for full-time IDs that are working for a company that have a regular nine to five job. That means that you could have an early stage meeting for one project and a later stage meeting for another project all in the same week. ID projects have lulls, downtime, time when a subject matter expert is reviewing deliverables, And so it makes sense to work on multiple projects because when one is down, the other is up. And so you could be all over the place with different projects at different times. If you're someone who wants to focus on one thing from beginning to end, ID is going to be hard for you because this job is really great for someone who doesn't mind switching back and forth between projects and can do that with ease and actually really enjoys that. I always loved working on multiple projects when I was working actively in ID because I didn't get bored. Projects can be in multiple stages and they don't always begin and end at the same time. So like I said, you could have a kickoff meeting that's at the very beginning of a project. And in that same week, you'd be working on a deliverable that's at the tail end of another project. So projects have different start dates, different end dates. They could be all over the place and you kind of have to make sure you're organized and keep track of what's happening where. You could be two months into one project and just kicking off another. So let's talk about some of the activities that you might complete as an instructional designer. For example, you could be storyboarding an e-learning module on one day, which means you are writing out often in Word what exactly is going to happen slide by slide with that module. You're chunking the content based on the learning objectives. You're adding interactive elements. You're writing out the script for what the narrator will say. You're basically scripting everything, both what's going to be on the screen, what's going to be said, how the interactions are going to work, all of that in Microsoft Word. Now, another day, you may actually be in Storyline or Rise, which are two e-learning authoring tools that are used in the field. This is where the tech skills are going to come in. So you are going to have to have a little bit of tech skills, nothing real crazy, but I want you to be able to have at least a PowerPoint background so that you can learn Storyline and Rise because these are two tools that you're going to use a lot in the field. And so part of this job is not just doing things in Word or maybe doing design or creating curriculum, but it's also getting your hands dirty in the e-learning authoring tools that we use. 
Now, there are some jobs where you don't actually have to do any development in the actual tools, and you can just do design, which might just be with PowerPoint or Word. But most instructional design jobs are going to have a combination of both design, which doesn't involve the e-learning authoring tools, and development, which does involve the e-learning authoring tools. So when you're working in the e-learning authoring tools, you're going to be actually creating slides. So think about it as creating slides in PowerPoint or Google Slides, except on steroids. You're going to be adding interactions, adding scenarios. You're going to be bringing the module to life and adding elements where the learner can actually interact with the module. So that may take a good part of your week. You could be working on one of those modules for three days out of your week and maybe working on a storyboard the other week. Now, a huge part of your role as an ID is receiving feedback. ID projects go through iterations. They're iterative in nature for a reason, because we don't want to create a final end product without our subject matter experts or SMEs or stakeholders ever seeing what we're doing along the way. If we create that end product and they hate it, we just spend all this work for nothing. So we want to make sure that we're creating something that is iterative so they can give us feedback, we can implement it, and we can keep on moving. So you'll be creating design documents that you get feedback on. You'll be creating storyboards that you get feedback on. If this is an e-learning module, you'll be creating the actual module in the e-learning authoring tool that we just talked about. You will be getting feedback on that, and you'll have several iterations. You'll create a first version, which is called an alpha. You'll create a second version, which is called a beta, and then a third version, which is gold, and all of those iterations will have feedback associated with them. If you're creating a virtual instructor-led course where someone is actually going to deliver this virtually and it's not asynchronous like e-learning, it's the same thing. You've got to create versions of it that will get feedback and then you implement that feedback. Every time you receive feedback, you're going to go in and refine. So one of the activities you could be working on in a given week is just implementing the feedback. That's, like I said, a huge part of this role is just implementing feedback, especially if there are multiple reviewers on a project. You could have a 100 comments on your storyline course that you've got to go in and implement. So that could be a big thing of what you're doing one week. Now, because of these review cycles, every project is going to have downtime. So while that project is out for review, you're not doing anything with that particular project. Maybe there's some other aspects that you could be working on, but for the most part, you're not doing anything with that project. And so if you are a full-time ID working for an organization, again, you're probably going to have multiple projects, and that's where you're going to start working on another project. So you're going to fill in those gaps of where you're waiting for feedback by working on a different project that is not waiting for feedback. Hopefully all of your projects are not out for feedback at the same time because that would be really bad. That means you're working on all of them at the same time and probably working too much. So usually that's not the case. Now, this is where it kind of can vary as a contract instructional designer, because sometimes you could be working a contract where it's the same type of thing. You're working 40 hours a week and you have multiple projects. But other times you could be working as a contract instructional designer on one project. That's all they hired you for. They have one thing that needs to get done. It has a start date and an end date. The downtime is still going to be the same, but during that downtime, they have nothing else to give you. So you just don't get paid during that downtime because you only get paid for the hours you work when you're doing contract instructional design. So that's where the difference lies in that you're likely not bouncing around on projects if you're on one particular project as a corporate instructional designer. But as a full-time instructional designer or even a full-time contract ID, 
you may have multiple projects. Now, one of the biggest questions I get asked about is the ratio between independent work and meetings. So it really depends on the company, but I would say it's probably about 85% independent work and maybe about 15% meetings, or it could be even 90-10. In this position, you are often working by yourself on your own projects, but many times you are part of a team with other IDs who are working with other projects, but you may have to share templates and ideas and things like that. So you're talking to other people each week. It's not really isolating. You're in a corner doing your own thing and you never talk to anyone. You're definitely talking to people, but a lot of times you are working on your own projects. Now, if it's a big project, they may have 10 IDs on one project and you're constantly collaborating with those other IDs. It's very possible, but it really just depends on the project. Now, remote work has made this interesting because there's often even less interaction than there used to be in an office. You used to be able to just walk over to the person's cubicle next door and have a conversation. Maybe that had nothing to do with work. You just kind of take a little bit of a break, or maybe it did have to do with work. Now you have to make a concerted effort to actually reach out to that person, whether it's via Slack or some kind of messenger app or via email. And so it definitely has made things a bit interesting with a lot of instructional designers working remotely. And but a lot of companies have made a concerted effort to really keep remote employees engaged. If you're someone who wants to be around people all the time, kind of like teaching, where you're always on, there's always people around, all of that kind of thing, this is not going to be a good position for you. But if you like independent time while still being part of a team, then you're definitely in the right place. So let's talk a little bit about what the meetings consist of. So I said it could be about 85% independent work. And I talked about what some of that independent work is. You could be implementing feedback, working on storyboards, working in the tech tools that we use, all of those kinds of things. And then the other 15% or so is meetings or maybe 10%. So meetings could be a couple different things. You might have team meetings you attend. Team meetings are usually check-ins with the whole ID team if there is one. If you're the only ID, maybe this doesn't happen. Sometimes ID is part of a wider department like IT or HR or something like that. And so you could have a broader meeting with the broader department. These meetings are often to talk about status of projects overall, things that everybody needs to be involved in. So they're not going to get into the nitty gritty details of specific projects because they're really for overall announcements, overall discussions that need to happen as a team, all of those kinds of things. They're usually once a week. Sometimes they can be every couple weeks. Sometimes they could be once a month. It really just depends. Now, some organizations will have you meet one-on-one with your manager every week. This could be every week. It could be every two weeks, once a month. Again, it just really depends on the organization or it could be not at all. But if you do meet with your manager, these are meetings that are more of a general corporate thing and not really a specific ID thing. But I know a lot of people coming into ID haven't worked in corporate before. These meetings are often to talk about your own progress in your career, any support you need, any feedback they have for you, et cetera. So if this is a project that has a team where there are subject matter experts, stakeholders, maybe even a project manager if it's a big project, there might be a team meeting that's not the overall team meeting. It's a status meeting for this specific project that could possibly take place like once a week or maybe even once a month or some other cadence. You could also have a meeting specifically with your subject matter expert every week or, again, every two weeks or every month. Now, sometimes subject matter experts want to meet all the time. They might want to get the status. Sometimes stakeholders want to meet all the time. Sometimes they don't. 
So again, this really just depends on who you're dealing with, how they like to receive information, how they like to receive status, how they like to check in, and how many people are actually involved. Some of the other meetings you might be involved in are a kickoff meeting. So anytime a project is new and it's just starting, a kickoff meeting is the first thing that happens. It's for everybody to get all their ducks in a row. Pretty much everybody who has some kind of vested interest in this project shows up to the kickoff meeting. So these people are all called stakeholders. These could be subject matter experts. It could be a project manager. It could be a graphic designer. It could be anybody who really has any interest in the project. In this meeting, you have to learn who the subject matter expert is that you're going to be dealing with. And you might talk a little bit about how you're going to be working with that person. You will learn about the overall goals for the learning. Do they already have learning objectives established? Is there source content available for this? Or are you going to have to meet with the subject matter expert to get that content from them? Who all is involved? What are the deadlines? What are the high level project timelines? Who are the learners? What has worked before and hasn't worked? And why are we here? If you don't have multiple projects you're working on, you might have one kickoff meeting and then you don't have any for a long time. If you have multiple projects, you may have several kickoff meetings in a short time frame, but that only happens once. Then you might meet with your subject matter experts for various reasons. It could be for that status that I said before, but it also could be to gather information and gather knowledge around the topic. Remember that we are learning experts. We're not subject matter experts. We don't know the topic. You might be developing training for a healthcare organization and you have no idea about this topic. So you've got to meet with a subject matter expert to ask them questions. Hopefully they have some kind of source content that they've given you to go through and what's going to be in this module. It may not be organized well, but they've given you something to start with. Then you can gather questions and you can meet with that subject matter expert to get your questions answered. If you're doing a systems training, the subject matter expert might have to walk you through the system so that you can learn what you're going to be training on. Sometimes source content doesn't exist and you've got to interview the subject matter expert and get the content out of their head. So the number of meetings that you have with a subject matter expert are really going to depend on one, how much content is available up front, two, the subject matter expert's availability and willingness to meet with you, and three, how much they actually want to meet with you and how much you feel you need to meet with them. Some subject matter experts want to handle everything via email and they don't want to talk to you or they can't talk to you because they're really busy. It really just depends on the person. Now you may have review meetings as well. And these are meetings where you may get live feedback. So as I said, feedback is huge and you have to be receptive to it and you have to know that you're going to be incorporating it often. Sometimes people just leave feedback on a link. So your subject matter expert may leave feedback on the link that you send them to review the deliverable. Other times they want to meet in person because they want to discuss. Or maybe if it's not on their calendar, it doesn't get done. So they want you to put on their calendar so that they will actually get you the feedback and they won't forget. So you may possibly have review meetings or you may not. You may just get all the feedback in a different way. You may get it through email or through comments on the module itself, etc. Now, working with subject matter experts in various capacities, as you can see, is a big part of what we do as IDs, and it's a really important skill to develop. Sometimes subject matter experts aren't the easiest to work with because they are busy. They're often assigned the duty of being a SME or subject matter expert for your project on top of their day job. So part of what we do as IDs is like wrangle cats, really, right? You have to follow up. You have to figure out how to get what you need. You have to figure out how to be succinct in what you're asking for. Sometimes you have to push a little bit. 
there's a lot of people skills involved. It can sometimes be a little bit frustrating, but it's one of those things that you kind of have to push through to get what you need. It's probably one of the more frustrating things of working as an ID is that people component. But that being said, I want you to understand that you are working with people. So even though I said there's a lot of independent work, you do have to be a people person. If you are not a people person, it's going to be difficult for you because you're going to have to work with SMEs on a regular basis, even if it's by email. You may not be meeting with them all the time, but you're going to be talking to them and you're going to have to figure out to get what you need from your SMEs and your stakeholders throughout the project by email and Slack and all of these different means. I hope that was helpful in giving you a better idea of what instructional designers do on a day-to-day basis, and I will see you on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Instructional Design Career podcast. I hope you've gained valuable insights that will help you on your instructional design journey. Did you have a moment of clarity? Maybe you have some additional questions. Let's discuss in my Facebook group, which can be found in the description below and in the show notes at learningstrategyanddesign.com slash podcast. If you love the show and want to hear more, follow the podcast and give me a rating and review. Let me know if there's a specific topic you'd like me to cover or a guest you'd like me to have on the show. You can also check out more resources for breaking into instructional design on my website, learningstrategyanddesign.com. Stay tuned next week as I bring you more tips, tools, and strategies to jumpstart your instructional design career.